You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, but an excellent one, and a very, very talented filmmaker. Kristen Lapis is the director of Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. It debuts February 19th on Prime Video. There is a lot of fanfare for that. Um, Kristen, hopefully during this podcast, can uh, help me uh, pronounce Giannis's last name perfectly. But... Um, you probably have seen Kristen Lapis's work, even if you don't know the name. She's a director and producer with words and pictures uh, right now, but spent many years at ESPN, uh, including a lot of work with ESPN films. Um, many of her pieces uh, were part of 30 for 30, won Peabody Awards. Um, she recently did uh, what I wrote about in The Athletic, a uh, documentary called Dream On, which was about the uh, U.S. women's Olympic basketball team, the famed one, and uh, Don Staley, et cetera, which was awesome. It's one of the best documentaries I saw that year, and I would highly recommend that. And a short that she did while at ESPN, a uh, short film called Arthur, is now being adapted into a scripted movie starring Mark Wahlberg, which premieres this spring. And we'll ask her about that. And with all that... Kristen Lapis, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for having me, Richard. It's always fun to to catch up with you and good to catch up. To, yes, glad to finally have this thing out in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. I know, having talked to many uh, filmmakers, uh, the um, <laughs> the it, it's very tough, right, between the completion of the film and then waiting for your baby to hit the world, right? Sometimes that wait is forever. Absolutely. <laughs> Feels like forever, at least. All right. So let's sort of um, go sort of big picture here. Um, how did this project, you know, I mean, the reality is Giannis is a, um, uh, as, and for the people here, this is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is probably Very good. not close, who is obviously <laughs> the star of the Milwaukee Bucks and really just a fascinating person in terms of, uh, in terms of athletic stardom. So, Kristen, obviously, like a guy like that, given his incredible story, he could really go anywhere, any filmmaker he wants or any like documentary film house he wants. So how did this project end up with you? It's it's true. I mean, I feel honored to have been able to share the story. Um, honestly, it's been surreal, um, a surreal experience. I actually met Giannis and his agent, Alex Saritsis, who is more than an agent to him. It's a very close friend, confidant. Uh, I met them in 2019 when I was still at ESPN. I was overseeing a series called Sneaker Center. 
um, for ESPN Plus, and Giannis was coming out with his first signature shoe for Nike at the time. Um, he had just won his first MVP. And so they sent me to Athens to kind of cover the shoes release for this show. There was like tons of media there. I remember, you know, like Bleacher Report, ESPN, of course, and like tons of other people. Um, we were just one of many, but uh, him and his agent and I got to talking and I'm Greek American. I think that right off the bat, like we had like this cultural connection. Um, it's like kind of hard to explain, but, you know, I grew up, um, you know, going to Greece, you know, it's my mom and my dad's side are both Greek. So I'm very Greek. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we just started talking. I also like come from a basketball family, you know, I know the game really well. So I think like, on that level, like as a woman and being able to like connect with him about basketball. Um, and so anyways, we, we like interviewed him for 10 minutes for that show, but, uh, his agent and I actually kept in touch. And when I ended up leaving ESPN to go to words and pictures, uh, Connor shell was like, I've been talking with, with Alex and Giannis's team, and they're really interested in, you know, making a documentary. And they mentioned that like they had, you know, met you and know you. Um, and so it, it felt like the right fit from the beginning. Like I, I try not to take on projects that I don't feel like a sense of connection to, because I just don't feel like you do your best work when you're not like connected in some way to the project. Um, I had followed his career from when he was drafted. Um, and, you know, Greeks are very pr uh, proud people. And like, we all just felt this sense of pride that he was like in the NBA and doing what he was doing. Uh, so that was kind of how it all started. Obviously, like, you know, I, I met with him, I sold him on like what we were trying to do and all of that, but that came a little later. So, so people know, uh, Kristen, when referring to being part of basketball family, her dad is Steve Lapis, who's a former college basketball coach and now, uh, a or has been a longtime broadcaster. Um, and then Connor Shell, who she referred to is the head of words and pictures, who at one time was the head of content at ESPN, essentially sort of the number two job at ESPN and now, um, has his own, um, production shop that Kristen is a part of. Okay. So in terms of, um, you know, it's one thing, obviously, for them to have stayed in contact with you and to feel a connection. But I think, and by the way, I highly recommend this documentary. I've seen it. It's really, really good. Um, what makes it good is that the family, and particularly Giannis, really opens up. Um, they tell their whole story here. It, it, at times, it's emotional. Um, his story itself is kind of amazing. But it's very clear that they trusted the filmmaker, in this case, you. So was it a process to get people to, um, and particularly Giannis, obviously, because it does it won't work unless Giannis is sort of as open as he is. What is it? Was it a process to get him comfortable enough where he's willing to sort of go to places um, in the documentary that you kind of need him to go to? It was absolutely a process. Uh, he's a, you know, he has kind of these two personas. He is very funny. And, you know, you see like, you know, his Instagram and like you see him with, you know, the candy and the snack. Like he has this one um, kind of, I don't want to call it a facade, but he has this one persona out in the media, but he's actually a really private person. Like he's not in the NBA fraternities of players that hang out. He's not... Um, it's really like him and his family and his like close inner circle are like the only people he really like lets in. And it's funny because like, I've done a lot of work on lesser known stories. And so it was a challenge for me to take this on because as you said, it's like a lot of people feel like they know his story, 
But the truth of the matter is, is like it was never told from his perspective and from his family's perspective. Like there's been lots of like articles written about it. And there was like an unauthorized book that like his family was not involved in. And then like the Disney movie, which was great, but again, like scripted. So it's never like come from the family's mouths. You know what I mean? I do. And so a big part of this, of course, is you have to figure out a way to tell the audience or present to the audience um, what his life was like growing up and what what he's his struggles as a kid. And essentially, this family had no money. They were immigrants. So they left, if I'm correct about this, right, Nigeria to to Greece. And that in itself um, it goes just beyond um, the family moving. There's cultural issues there. There's how like people in Greece feel about immigrants. It's how people in Greece feel about uh, people people of color. And all this is sort of uh, part of Giannis's world on top of the fact that like the family is poor and they need money to eat, to survive, to pay the rent. Um, there's no footage, obviously, Kristen, of Giannis as a kid because no one was filming him at age 12 and 14 or, or 10. So as the filmmaker, how do you, on top of obviously the family discussing what it was like, how did you want to approach that part of the story? Because in all honesty, that to me, you can make the argument, that's the most interesting part of the film is what he was before he became famous because there's so much now at this point on who he is as he's famous. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a huge challenge when there are no, I mean, there was like a handful of family photographs, but that was pretty much it. Like they didn't have, you know, a video camera, of course they didn't, there was no, um, yeah, there was like hardly any archival footage um, to tell that story. I remember before my first trip to Greece, summer of 2022, going into Connor Shell's office and being like, I think that we need to do recreations um, for this movie. And he was like, kind of not, um, not into it at first, honestly, because we've all seen um, recreation. When it done. goes bad, it goes real bad. right? 1000%. And I was like, listen, like, rather than doing this in like an LA studio, like on a soundstage, like I really want to try and like actually go back to all of the places that he lived, played basketball, sold things on the streets, like all of the actual authentic places. And I was like, I think if we do that, it's going to make it feel real and in service of the story as opposed to a distraction, I guess. Um, and he trusted me. I mean, I give him credit. Like, you know, I sold him on this thing that we hadn't done yet that was like going to take place, you know, thousands of miles away in Greece. Um, but we were able to like rent the actual basement apartment that Giannis's family lived in when they were living in Greece. And so like, even like the textures of like the walls and the floors and the, it's, it's all real. And like that helped me because like, I'm not somebody that like, gravitates towards like fancy recreation scenes as well um a lot of the children and the the people that we got to play the recreation actors were um nigerian undocumented immigrants in greece so again like very authentic to his story um you know i'll i'll, I'll go into this a little more in detail later but we actually, because it's such a, a personal story, um, as a courtesy to Giannis and his family, Connor and I flew out to Milwaukee in November to show them the film um, in person. And I'll never forget, like, I mean, it was the most surreal experience ever, but like one of the first things um, I think his brother Thanasis said when they saw the recreation, he was like, was that our actual apartment? Like, how did you get in there? Um, so anyways, it made me feel good to know that like that wasn't lost on them either, you know? Yeah. How many times did you go to Greece to do to to film or to shoot? We did 
five shoots in Greece. And one of those shoots, um, you know, I'm trying to sort of be uh, careful. I don't want to give away sort of th- that much so people will see it. But, you know, there's there's sort of there's a scene where Giannis is with his family it looks like a restaurant maybe it's in the Placo or some sort of famous part of Athens and and people are discussing and then there's another part where he goes uh um to the Acropolis um with the trophy uh maybe NBA entertainment was with him as well um but about one thing that you really clearly as a filmmaker wanted to um let the audience in on is you're trying to place us in Athens, right? You're trying to place us in Greece. Like that's one thing like you did not the, I don't know what your budget was, but you guys did not skimp on the budget when it came to those kind of shots. And it must've been clear to you that like, I mean, I don't want to be cliche here, but like Greece is a character in the story, correct? In addition to Giannis. 1000%. And I, the part about, well, first of all, he spends all of his off seasons in Athens. He has a home there. That's where he plans on like retiring someday. So like that, that truly does feel like home for the family. And I said that from the beginning, I'm like, the majority of this filming is going to happen there because one, he's an active NBA player, right? Like, so this isn't like him 20 years in the, you know, in the future telling his story, like he's very busy in season. So like most of the access we got with him was in the off seasons, um, summer of 2022 and summer of 2023. Uh, And so, yeah, like it was, it was really important to me to build Greece as this character. Um, And also like exploring the really complicated relationship he has with the country. Like, I hope that's something that comes through because it's it's the place that he calls home, but it's also a place that didn't fully accept his family um, when he was growing up. And so he does feel this complicated relation, you know, um, these complicated feelings um, towards the country. How many times did you um, how many times did you sit down with him? I mean, you, you obviously had formal interview sessions. Maybe you had some in, smaller ones, but, you know, it strikes me that. I mean, this must have been hours and hours and hours of it between the length of the filming, right? Talking to him. Yeah. So we did we did two formal sit downs, as you mentioned, and um, those were each three hours long. Wow. So okay. it was that was like yeah, so six hours. So we did the first one in April of 2023. We did the second one in September of 2023. Okay. It goes to your point, though, really quickly that like you said the trust, like we didn't sit down with him until nine months into the project right okay um so it took like a while you know like we were around we were filming verite scenes but like we didn't get to actually you know sit with him until yeah like nine months in so let me sort of ask i mean it's a good sort of time to ask this um you know you're the filmmaker it's your vision at the same time there's no film without the family's cooperation and Giannis's cooperation he he's also or his company is also a co-producer of the film is that like is that correct or yeah okay mm-hmm. So they they just launched. Um, this is like their first um, the first project they're involved. In. So one of the things that sometimes can happen on stuff like this is you know you want to tell a sort of a story, right? But you don't want it to be like a sugar coated story that the um, th- that the 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 subject who has like a producing credit on this essentially creates a. Um, uh, this is maybe a little too strong, but a certain kind of like fictionalized version of the of the story because they're trying to put that into the marketplace. Again, from my perspective, given who the subject is and given what I watched, I don't think the film is that. But I do think as a filmmaker, you probably always had to um, 
navigate that, right? And sort of, I, I having talked to you in other past, I remember you told me when you did Dream On, you put like the note on your bedroom, like whatever, right? Don't make this film soft. Basically, it's another way of saying like, don't sugarcoat the truth here. So how'd you navigate this when the when the family is is a is a producer on the on the film? It, it's a great question. Um, it is something that is like totally front of mind in this current landscape where there are like tons of documentaries coming out where subjects are executive producers. He is not an EP on this. His production company is a co-producer, which I think is an, an important just dis- like to distinguish just because like they did not get like editorial control over this narrative. Um, that was something that was really important. Obviously like Connor having done things like OJ made in America and stuff like he, you know, like journalism and like authenticity is very important to us. So like, it was not that. Um, but at the same time, it's such a deeply personal story that, of course, like I used their, you know, their feedback and like what they've what they told me was important to their upbringing and, you know, all of that. Like I use that as a as a guide when putting the movie together. Um, but again, like there was no like notes that they would that they sent. Like we went there to show them the movie when it was completed as a courtesy, because, again, like I don't think it's fair to show someone their life story in a theater with 200 other people at the all-star game. Um, and, but, but yeah, they weren't involved in like the editorial. Um, but it is something that's so, like I said, top of mind for me because like audiences are very savvy now and they know right away. I mean, me and my husband do it all the time. We like put movies on and we're like, Oh God, like this is puff piece. Okay. Like we're moving on. Um, so I definitely was like hypersensitive to that. Something that really comes across on the film is Giannis comes off honestly like a 70 or 60 year old wise person like his ability to see the big picture his ability to stay in the journey is ridiculously impressive given he's only 28 29 years old so you have interviewed a lot of sports people during your time right um a lot of bright people uh who you've interviewed but it would strike me Kristen, that this guy is particularly unique given his age and given his star, right? It was, that's the, that's the best thing about the film is, you know, you, he'll, you'll have something in there where Giannis is talking for like two minutes and you come away like, you're like, you could use this life advice for your own life. It's amazing. And he does this like repeatedly. It's amazing. It really is. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying this because it's the most recent thing I've done. Like he is by far the most, intelligent and introspective person I've ever interviewed, he surprised me. Like that is the, the the greatest thing as a filmmaker is to sit down with somebody and have done all the research and feel like you're prepared and then have them tell you things that you had no idea they were going to say. Like, and that was it with him. Like it was every single thing that came out of his mouth. I like had never heard him say before. Um, and it was just such a pleasant surprise. I told him that. I mean, I don't know if it's like a, a Greek cultural thing that they're like wise beyond their years, or if it's his life experiences, um, you know, the situation with his dad that obviously had to make him grow up early. I don't know, but, but yes, you're spot on. Like the things he says, I like was like writing down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that back with me and use it in my life. 
the and to what Kristen just said, his dad, Giannis's dad passed away um, when he was early twenties, maybe I think. I, yeah, I, okay. and his dad was fifty four. It was like a very sudden thing. Yeah, so, and and obviously sad. it impacted uh, and changed the family immeasurably. Um, the there are two people in the film who who talk about sort of their lives and Giannis and stuff. That's his mom and his fiance, and. I think something to me that really comes across is these are two people. I don't know if they've ever been interviewed by anybody. Clear, I don't. I'm sure the fiance yeah, has not. And no. I think to me, and I imagine for you as the filmmaker, they really add a unique element to this because a lot of time, like by the way, these guys were good. But like you can get Kenny Smith or Ernie Johnson or whoever you know, and name your ESPN NBA analyst to talk about Giannis, and it'll be thoughtful and stuff like that. But that's nothing different. But to hear Giannis's fiance like talk about his struggles and you know how his dad's death impacted him and stuff like that, that to you, I mean, I think for me as a viewer, and I imagine for you as a filmmaker, that's a differentiator in this film because you often, you usually in these kind of pieces, you don't get those kind. And like his mom, you, those subjects don't come on and say what they said in this film. At least that was my read of it. I'm really happy that you took that away because I feel exactly the same as you do. I remember making a list of potential interview subjects and like we had all of the like familiar faces and characters We're like, Oh, should we like interview people that have played against him? Should we do this? Should we do that? And it's like, we sat down with his mom and his fiance, like early in the process. And again, to like, also to Connor's credit, he was like, this is the movie. Like, this is what, the, again, this is what's going to differentiate it. And this is what, again, authenticity. Like, I'd rather hear from his mom who can't even speak English that well, um, but she's so eloquent and beautiful and succinct in what she does say than, you know, like somebody that he plays against talking about, you know, why he's a good basketball player. What's your expectation for this film in terms of um, reaction and one thing for you is, I mean, it's a very big platform. So this is a global platform and, you know, it's very possible that like the film could be huge in Greece. I don't know if you guys have a Greek premiere, but it, it you know, really, it really could. And then I think you were telling me before we started this, if it's going to debut during the All-Star uh, week, you know, my sense is that, I mean, I don't know this, but I would have to take a guess that I think a lot of people are going to write about the film because I think they're just going to learn about Giannis in a way they've never really learned about him before. I have to be honest. Like I don't go in with any expectations right. <laughs> because going with expectations, you end up being disappointed. Um, I, this sounds, you could roll your eyes maybe at this, but like them sitting in their living room, the family and watching this with tears streaming down their face and like giving me a hug afterwards and thanking me is like far more rewarding than like anything else. I, of course, I want people to enjoy it. Of course, I want people to see it and learn something that they haven't. I hope that that's the case. Um, but yeah, I try to go in with with low expectations because you just never know. You don't know what ends up like really seeping into that like mainstream, like the David Beckham, the David Beckhams and those things. Like they kind of take on a life of their own, the Kelsey doc on Amazon. Like I, I try not to <laughs> get overly excited about it. You know, that's a smart uh, a premise. And by the way, I've talked to enough filmmakers to know that like, if the subjects sort of feel like the film was honest and like it worked, 
it, it captured what 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 it should have captured. I mean, in some ways, that's the success in itself. And then obviously, the commercial part is the commercial part. So I'm glad you had that moment with them. Um, I, I do want to ask you about sort of him heading forward. It, the, the film makes very clear about his connection to Milwaukee. He's an incredibly loyal guy. Actually, you, you, I thought you sort of done that. You, you did that in a really great way. You sort of explained. Um, how loyalty is an important sort of part of being Greek, you know, and, and there's a, there's a, I think, what's the Greek word for it? You had a really sort of thoughtful it's guy. It's called to come. Uh, Philotimo. Philotimo. Yeah, that was pretty good, which is sort of what Giannis is. And obviously he stayed in Milwaukee where there were probably some people who speculated to go to a bigger market. Um, I want to sort of ask you sort of what is one traditional sports question? Cause you probably now know him about as good as anybody. Um, He's so process driven. And I think he in so many ways thinks that if you just go through the process, that's success in itself. I, I think that's an incredible uh, way to sort of go through life. Um, but like a lot of times in our North American world, you know, you're judged on championships and you're judged on legacy. Um, how important do you think it is for him to like win again? Like, is that something that drives him or is it obsessed with him um because in some ways he might be smarter than all of us in that like the process is what matters and if you win great but if if you gave everything to the process like that's the win in itself i truly believe that he does feel the latter because of where he came from like he is he is living the dream like he was selling things on the street in greece with his undocumented family and he is now create a generational wealth for his family. Like, I think that is the most important thing for him, but all the greats, like winning is so important to him. I mean, they're all wired slightly differently in my opinion. And he is 1000% wired differently. Like winning is very important to him. He works incredibly hard and it is on his mind constantly. And, you know, he, he did say that in the interview again, like we, we decided to focus on the, the family story as opposed to like basketball yeah, or the basketball story. But like, um, he said something that was really interesting at the end. He was like, I'm like 10 years in and I want to play for 20. So like, I'm at this really interesting kind of moment in my career where I need to make sure that the next 10 years, like, you know, we have, the same success as we did in the first 10. And, and I think winning a championship is literally the only thing that he weighs all of that against. Like that is, that is the thing that equals success for him is winning a championship. You just mentioned that it's pretty interesting to me about like focusing on the family versus basketball. And the fact is like the focus on the family is something we don't know. So I thought that was, that to me is far more interesting than the basketball. That said, when it comes to him, you know, if you had an infinite amount of time on the stock, let's say I gave you the OJ made in America, like, you know, 25 hours or whatever the doc was. Um, you could have done an entire doc on his basketball career because you as a filmmaker, right? You had to make an intentional choice that like, uh, I'm not going to go so deep into his playoff failures before he won. Like I live in Toronto now. I remember how that Raptor series killed him. Like they were favored in that series. They should have won. And the Raptors ended up obviously beating them unexpectedly and then going on to a title. So you had to make, Kristen, you had to make these choices, right? Because the, the reality is you could have done 30 minutes on that small like series alone. And it would have been really interesting drama. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the hardest part about making a feature length film is like making really, really hard decisions. Like I'd be lying if like I said that we like presented this like tight hour and 40 minute film 
in the beginning of the edit. Like it was like absolutely like a three and a half hour rough shot sure. that we were like, shoot, like, what do we do? But honestly, like the, the films that kind of go beat by beat through every story, they lose the power. And like the through line in this film is like family and sacrifice and like his dad's sacrifice for the family. And like, I just feel like when you stick to that focus and you, you kind of view everything through that lens, it just offers a more powerful film um, and a less like diluted film. Uh, we have talked about Giannis and I <laughs> we're like, we'll do the last dance, like in, in 15 years together. So we do it. Do basketball movie for sure. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Before I let you go, I I I have to ask you about this because it's such a crazy confluence of uh, filmmaking life here. So you do this film in 2017, I I imagine for ESPN. It's a short film called Arthur. You can tell the audience what it's about. And now all of a sudden, seven years later, there's a scripted movie starring Mark Wahlberg coming out this spring in 2024 in theaters. So what is the what, what was your film that you directed, this short film, and how does it become a Mark Wahlberg project? It is very surreal. Um, I'm going to do this. I try to do this very quickly. I had a cousin that was living in Sweden. And as you know, storytellers, we try to like cast a wide net, right? Like trying to find ideas. And she told me about this. She's like, there's this crazy story going on in Sweden about this team of extreme adventure racers who were racing in Ecuador. And they were on this 500 mile, like grueling, grueling race. And this stray dog in mile 10 started to follow the team and follow the team 490 miles through this insane race crossed the finish line with them. And then they ended up adopting the stray dog from Ecuador and bringing him back to Sweden. And he became like this really famous dog. And he was on all the local talk shows and like all the things in Sweden. Um, So I went in 2017, it was Tom Rinaldi and I, we went, we did the interviews, we told the story for ESPN. um, And I got a call like a week after it premiered from this agent. And he was like, there are like three things that sell in Hollywood, like weddings, babies, and dogs. I was like, okay. I was like, I was so naive. I was like 20, 26 years old. I'm like, sure. Um, and he was like, I think this could be a, like, I really do think this could be a movie. Anyways, fast forward. Um, you know how like Hollywood scripted is. It's like a long, long process from like when they, you know, start to develop it till they find a writer, till they find a producer and an ad, you know, um, but it comes out, it's Lionsgate. Um, Mark Wahlberg is uh is the star. He's playing Michael Lindnord, the um captain of the team who finds Arthur. Um, and yeah, I was able to play a small role as a consultant on the movie, but it's, it's super cool. What does a consultant in this case actually do? Do you, do you go on set or do you provide notes or what's, what does a consultant do in this role? So, um, they were filming in 2020, um, in Ecuador. So I did not go to set. I had also just, um, had a baby. Uh, but I met with Michael Brandt, who was the writer, um, a few times and, you know, just kind of like, brain dump like everything i knew about the story and like the dynamics of the teammates and the characters and like all of the stuff that like as an observer 
um, and having interviewed all of them, uh, I had, you know, I had I had found so um, it was more like the script writing process as opposed to like the actual filming. Uh, but he literally the the writer Michael just uh, texted me the other day and he was like, "Your film, like we would show that to Mark Wahlberg as like inspiration when he was like and getting that, ready to <laughs> to do his scenes." Um, so yeah, exactly to do a scene. So it was cool. Is uh, will Tom Rinaldi call you in like a Tom Rinaldi voice when this movie comes out and just sort of come up with some very grand piano like narration like to celebrate this? Uh, I have no doubt that that will happen. Um, I get plenty of voicemails from Tom and I save them all because they, uh, as you said, they all are very profound and and deep. And <laughs> yeah, the one thing about Tom Rinaldi, I I, re I do respect him. This he's a guy who I know who likes to write letters to people. Right. I, you know, this like, like thank you yes. notes. And he's done this with a lot of his subjects, obviously a very classy thing. I, I don't know what it was. I wrote something about him. Maybe when he moved to Fox, I don't remember, but I think I thought it was like a fair piece. He thought it was a fair piece and sort of captured him. And he's like, can I have your address? I'd like to write you a thank you note. And I'm like, no, I'm not giving you my address. I don't just, it's fine. You don't need to write. So that's sort of a running joke with us is that like, I, I, I refuse to give him my address so that I, I will, I do not want a handwritten note, even though I recognize the thoughtfulness of the, uh, of the gesture. That's very old school. You know, most people just will email or text now. But it's he's, the teacher in him, right? Like yes. he's, you know, how he started, right? Like as a teacher in Brooklyn. Um, I know this is not about Tom Rinaldi, but I have to give him credit. He is like a mentor, um, taught me pretty much everything I know about writing, filmmaking, this business. He is like one of the all-time greats. Like it's not an act. He's he's as genuine as um he seems to be on on tv so yeah, yeah no that did listen your 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 praise for tom Rinaldi is certainly loud on this podcast um all right Kristen lapis is the director of Giannis: the marvelous journey debuts february 19th on prime video i highly recommend it um you know again just like uh her film uh dream on uh she's really a gifted filmmaker um you know usually you can i think most people especially if they watch enough sports docs they kind of know pretty quickly like if this doc's going to be legit or if it sort of just you know falls in the bin of uh of we've seen this before and um and i think people who have amazon are, are really gonna appreciate this and again Giannis is just he really i i i i chris i'll give you the, the sort of the biggest compliment i can give you after i watched the doc like i went to the athletic who has an excellent uh bucks writer and eric Eric Neem, I probably mispronounced his name, but he's in your film. Yeah. Yeah. And I started sort of reading more about what's going on with Giannis this year. Because, like, I really started to take an interest in, like, okay, where is that? Because I, I really wasn't paying attention to the Bucks. Like, where are the Bucks right now? Like, um, what do they maybe need to have one kind of uh, um, long extended run this year? I know they traded for Damon Lillard. Uh, but that's a great compliment to you as a filmmaker. It's like your film made me, like, become more interested in this guy I took it i took an interest in what is going on with him now so if, if, if i'm Thank yeah, you. <laughs> if i'm uh, if i'm indicative i i think you you've got something here um i'll stay in touch with you and um and i wish you the best of success for this film thanks so much for joining me today on the sports media podcast thanks for having me richard all right, back in the studio. My thanks to Kristen Lapis for her time and insight. Uh, if you like these podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how the podcast continues. Get out to the archives. Um, you know, we obviously did a lot of Super Bowl-related stuff. Uh, you can 
check, you know, our usual roundtables. You can check that out there. Um, in terms of broadcasters, Ray Ferraro and Sean McDonough were on this podcast not too long ago. Paul Feinbaum. Uh, I'm trying to think. Hubie Brown. Uh, Joe Buck wasn't on too long ago. Ernie Johnson, Laura Rutledge. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. But again, uh, should be conversations that, uh, that I hope you like. And if you do, we'll continue it. Thank you to uh, Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.